Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hello, this is Pablo Sabaleta. This is Troy Dini. This is Kevin Phillips. This is Jürgen Klopp and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. Look, I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona and our socios keep us on the road. This independent podcast simply wouldn't happen without them. Please head to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now. Join us, become a socio, a member, and you'll get extra big interview content every month, plus lots of bonuses. We need you. We can't do this without you. From Backpage, I'm Neil White and this is the big interview at the World Cup. Waiting for us in Krasnodar is Graham Hunter. But first I want to tell you a bit of a story. We were recording a podcast about Spain's imminent Group B opener against Portugal, oh, about half an hour ago, and were rudely interrupted when Graham received a piece of paper. Graham Hunter, over to you. Well, it's Chamberlain, I think is my name. I have in my hand a piece of... It was actually, um, he needs naming here, um, the splendid uh, Tim Manson, who's come all the way over from Australia to teach us how to film football, and he's doing a damn fine job of it. He actually broke the news to me um, because of his Portuguese friend who's a cameraman. So, you know, when news travels fast, it's often via many nationalities and usually from cameramen. And that news, um, Neil, was that, you know, the, the, the search for Zidane's successor at Romadid has been ended by the appointment of Julian Lopetegui, who, you know, trained as a junior footballer at Castilla, which is the Romadid B side, and it's where hundreds of great footballers have begun and then not made a life at Romadid, but gone on to do great things elsewhere. And he's Spain coach because he's come up through the ranks. He won the European Under-21 tournament with the same generation of guys who are here now, Rodrigo, De Gea, Coque, Isco, and so on and so forth. And given his age, uh, which is very early 50s, given his fitness, given his, his CV, his profile, this was a job that he, he had for probably the next four, five, six years. 
And in the, I can't count, but what, 20 months since he took over, um, Spain are completely unbeaten. Um, they came out of that European Championship defeated, well defeated by Conte's Italy in Paris. And from that day to this, they, they won their uh, qualifying group. They, they beat Italy. They beat France in Paris. And they, they drew with England. 2-2 being 2-0 down with 20 seconds left. There's been a change of style. There's been a change of the players enjoying it. And here he is at a World Cup where they're at least in the, in the cab rank to say, well, we, we, we might get to this party. We might even take over the party. And yet, this afternoon, here in 84-degree Krasnodar, despite a training session this morning where there was absolutely no indication that things were advanced and with no indication that any of the players knew anything, albeit we got really nice shots today of uh, Julian Lopetegui having a long, in-depth chat with Sergio Ramos, but patently, before anybody gets the wrong idea, it was patently about the football. Uh, you could see from the gestures. And therefore, it's come as you know one of those really big pieces of bolt-from-the-blue news that make you and I and Martin so keen on working in this industry because every now and again, a story comes along where like you, you, nobody has had a whiff of it. It's, it is really complete breaking news, and it's both surprising, to a certain extent shocking, and fascinating. That's interesting. So, like, post-Sedan's press conference, up until today, Loptegi's name wasn't even one of those... In the in the running in the betting, never never mentioned, never never thought of, and I'll and I'll tell you why. His quality isn't in doubt. You know, people can think what they like about his time at Porto. Um, the, the the Rayo Vallecano experiment was a very long time ago, and a club that's you know notoriously difficult to do well at. But what what you can tell about his work with the national team, work with the under twenty ones. And what you can tell by listening to the players who worked under him and what you can tell from listening to him, he's a man of substance. Um, He's hard, hard hard-nosed, hard-working, very clear in his football principles. And his football principles not only are those of Johan Cruyff, they they come from Johan Cruyff. Because, you know, his career included Cruyff signing him and saying, that's the guy I want. Uh, which is no small compliment. And, like, for example, today uh, we had a one-on-one interview with David De Gea, and because David was one of those players who won the European Under-21 Championship in Israel under Lopetegui's orders, I did the obvious thing and said, tell me about him. And he said, look, his communication powers are good. He gets messages through to you. He said, we like his principles. His principles are dominate the ball, win the ball, have the ball, dominate the opponent. If you lose the ball, hurry, win it back chase them, hurry them, and if you're winning, try to win by more. Don't sign off and say, two's good, try for four. So players like that, and in terms of, you know, with every decision, you can retrospectively say, yeah, there's sense in this, but was his name, was he considered, let's say, glamorous enough? No, I don't think so. Um, Was his name touted as often as, uh, Mourinho or Wenger. In fact, Conte was being pushed really, really hard by Marca about 48 hours ago. So right across the Spain media, and I know this because having watched them closely today in the operation, having looked at their you know, social media and their websites all day, nobody had an inkling, not a clue. And that's very, very rare in Spanish football. 
so many people speak to each other and there is such a there's a different relationship between the big media organizations and Real Madrid or Barcelona than there is in Britain. Clearly, there are some institutions in Britain that are maybe a little bit in bed with one club or another, but this sort of symbiotic um, feeling that Marca or Ass or uh, Ondacero or Cope Radio, blah, 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 have with the clubs means that with decisions, sales, sackings, purchases, signings like this, that, that you might want to be able to unveil with a flash of blue smoke and, and say, ta-da, often that is deliberately forsaken in order to create, um, I was going to say a relationship, sometimes ownership. You know, it's true that sometimes Madrid and Barcelona want to own the, the media angle completely and, and the, their currency is the actual story, the line. So that's why it's most often um, the case that things get out and they get out in a, in a way which is for good or bad, strategic, people are chosen or organisations are chosen to, to give a message out like um, if, if Florentino Perez wanted to bring Diario Ass to heel, then Marco would get the story. So again, I'll go back to the idea that the fact that this could be conceived of, negotiated, and then smash bang wallop announced by Real Madrid uh, with an agreement to pay the buyout clause of Lopetegui. He has a buyout clause, like Spanish footballers do. Real Madrid will pay for his services. He, he'll go back to a club that certainly he knew well, having been in the youth system there, having been at Madrid for a number of seasons and getting one competitive game for them. Um, it, it's not like going home. He's, he's a Basque. You know, he, he stayed for a long time at, at Football Club Barcelona. He was most successful with Logroñas, an absolutely gorgeous city where um, they were in one of the best times of their entire history. And he was good enough to be considered an international footballer and go to um, USA 94, okay, as, as third choice. But again, uh, when I sat down to interview him, I don't know, 48 hours ago, I think it was, he was saying that was the experience of a lifetime. Um, being with Spain at a World Cup, even in a, in a sort of observatory role, his, his passion for that experience, his passion for the national team was high. And therefore, it's a further indication of the, of the sway of Real Madrid, of the power of Real Madrid. But for him to say, right, I, I'm going to risk my World Cup, because, Neil, there's a risk here. There's a risk that yeah. outside critics say... All right, if let's say something goes wrong against Portugal and, and was going to anyway, then uh, they, 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 I think they call it aprovechar, to take advantage here is, is the word that you know, would be used. People will be um, vantajista. They'll go, ah, of course, that, that went wrong. That, that was because of a lack of planning because the boss hasn't been paying enough attention because he's been negotiating his job with Madrid. Now, that might be utter tosh, but it is what people will say. I think that he's got a really good relationship with the, the players here, but who knows what they'll feel about him negotiating this and announcing this right now in the middle of their tournament. It's not just his tournament, it's their tournament. It could be divisive, it could be rallying, it could mean he gets more from the Madrid players. That's all speculative, and, and I, I don't think it's... You know, I don't think you can point at this decision and say that is outright disastrous. That's, that, that would be wrong. But 
it is undoubtedly a complication that uh, distracts, that people weren't expecting. It is undoubtedly a decision and a move by the coach, which not everybody will feel the same way about. So it's interesting, but he's a strong man, um, very clearly strong, intelligent guy. And now it's down for us to suck and see because tomorrow the president of the federation, uh, Rubiales and uh, Lopetegui, are going to hold a joint press conference and talk to the world's media about this. It's fascinating, and um, I think I agree exactly with your interpretation there. It's not necessarily negative, but it is necessarily a distraction. I wonder if it's an example of the need of Real Madrid usurping the need of the Spanish Federation. So close to such an important game. You said that it's very likely that these negotiations have been going on for some time between Madrid and Lopetegui. Um, Similarly, is it likely or not that the players, at least the players of Real Madrid, the senior players of Real Madrid in Spain, have been on the inside of those negotiations, that it's not come as such a surprise to them? I'd, I'd betray the, the style that I've, I've built up and that socios know me for if I pretended to know. I think it's imaginable that Sergio Ramos is uh, a reference point that Florentino Perez may have used. I think that Sergio Ramos is entirely capable of having been consulted and, and keeping it quiet. But I don't know, um, number one. Um, I, I would imagine that however it's happened, it's probably safest for Ramos to say I didn't know, um, because obviously then he's kept it from fellow players. And I'll tell you a curious little thing. You know that after the uh, Seville-Manchester United game, the 0-0 draw in the Champions League, I was out in the Los Lebreros bar immediately opposite Nervion uh, Stadium with uh, a couple of guys and Sidlow. And Lopetegui came in, having been at the game, watching, studying players. And we, we sort of said hello because both Sid and I worked on a television station here in, in Spain, well, I'm in Krasnodar, but in Spain uh, with him. And, and Sid knows him much better than I do. So... Hi, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, very good. And, and says, listen, mister, I've got bad news for you. Oh, what's that? And he turns and points to me and he says, listen, he's going to be your guy in Russia. For heaven's sake, don't go out on a night out with him because he's a mental case. Good All right, very good. Very good. And I said, listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I don't go mental. I just like to sing. I, I love my karaoke in a tournament. And Lopetegui turns to me and says... I'm the soy el rey de karaoke. I'm the king of karaoke, and I'm like, all right, what? bring it on, mate. Bring it, bring it on, bring it on. So of course, when we get the one-on-one interview with him, I think it was two days ago, not not more than that. Um, at the end of it, I say, listen, don't don't forget that challenge. It's karaoke. You and he went, and he just sort of turned. He went, mira, mira, mira. Yo tengo una sorpresa para ti. I've got a surprise for you. So <laughs> I. I, I obviously thought that meant that it, we are getting it on. Whereas, retrospectively, um, it kind of feels like this was what he was talking about, the bugger. <laughs> you had, you had the, like Peter O'Hanrahan, you had the news and you let, it, you let it walk away from you. What exactly did he say to you, Peter? Ich nicht in Lichten, ich nicht in Lichten. <laughs> I don't like it, but I'm going to have to live with it. There's a 20% chance that this interview is going to go downhill unless we get it back on track, Sharpish. Let's take a break, so shows, for goodness sake, and take a breath. When we come back, 
let's find out more about the man who's about to be the manager of Real Madrid. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. We have all, I think, just about got used to the fact that Spain's manager at this World Cup will be the manager of Real Madrid next season. Graham, you mentioned Lopetegui's playing career earlier. Um, fair to say not entirely stellar, although he did go to a World Cup. What would have been the peak of his achievements in terms of um, his time as a, as a first pick? Yeah, he had Heineken as well as Stella. And there were times playing when you'd have thought he'd maybe had a Stella or two. In fact, honestly, th- there was a point at which he, you thought he'd be a footballer who'd swung a black cap by the tail and smashed a thousand mirrors on Friday the 13th before walking under a ladder as a can of paint fell on him. He, he was a good athlete. He was a dedicated trainer. Um, he should have had a really good career. But I don't know if it was a bit Frank Spencer or things just didn't go right for him. But he grew up at Castilla, as I've mentioned, and only ever made one first-team appearance for Real Madrid, and that was April 1990. And John Toshak was the manager. Madrid had already wrapped up the title, and it was a derby match, and Madrid conceded three times to Atleti. And uh, if you make your Real Madrid debut and concede three times to Los Rojiblancos, you don't play for them again, and he, he didn't. And, and when he went to Logroñas... Um, he played really good football. He looked like a guy who had only needed to get game time to be able to show the original quality, which had meant that he'd been brought up at Real Madrid. And it was Cruyff who went and picked him, Neil. Cruyff thought, um, here's a goalkeeper who's a footballer. Um, I don't think it's arguable that the sweeper-keeper idea was just as advanced then as now. But Cruyff wanted somebody who was comfortable in the ball, and that's what he thought he was getting in, in Lopetegui. It was, it was a time when Barca had won four titles in a row. Um, they'd just been beaten by Milan in the European Cup final. Zubi Zaretta was being ushered out the door. And Lopetegui was, in theory, the replacement. He made his debut in '94 in the Spanish Super Cup. Um, and in the first leg... Sergio Busquets' dad, Carlos, had been the keeper, and Barca beat Zaragoza 2-0 in the first leg of that game. So, you know, it's Barca, it's Cruyff, that should have been game over, and the second leg is at the camp now, and Lopetegui um, is chosen, so that it's one game for one guy, one game for the next guy. And honestly, Barca, Barca were atrocious. Lopetegui is left exposed, um, half an hour into his Barca debut, Barca aren't just losing 3-1 at home to um, Zaragoza. Then a, a strong Zaragoza side. Zaragoza side who, who'd be, you know, Arsenal's conquerors in Paris in that era. Anyway, they're, they're losing on away goals. They're 3-1 down at home. And, and Zaragoza win that match 5-4. Obviously not enough to win the Super Cup itself. But the, Zaragoza go to the camp now and... and 
blooming score five and win. And it's pretty sad that a really sort of gentle free kick um, from Zaragoza goes through um, Lopetegui's hands and he gets himself sent off in the 90th minute. And, um, you know, at that stage, one more goal means that Zaragoza win the trophy. Cruyff post-match said that a mistake as bad as Lopetegui made tonight must be a once-in-a-lifetime thing. He should blame his back four. Albert Ferrer was horrendous today. We won't crucify Julian. But he didn't play again for Cruyff for six months. And they get a game. he gets a game in the last 16 of the Spanish Cup against Atleti. And after 13 minutes at the camp now, he's sent off, bringing down Atleti's current outgoing um, director of football, Jose Luis Caminero. So, Barca thrashed 4-1, Lopetegui showered, stomped off home, and, and it's famously admitted that he went off home in, um, in tears. He'd played two times for Barcelona, two home games, two defeats, two red cards. Um, Bobby Robson gives him a match the next season. They lose the Super Cup final second leg 3-1 to Atletico Madrid with Diego Simeone in the midfield. So in nine years at Madrid and Barcelona combined, he's played 11 first-team matches and only won twice. So, you know... On the basis of whatever doesn't kill you, make you stronger, uh, 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 albeit that he was born a strong-minded, pretty tough Basque, he needed to develop a hide of leather during his playing career. I have to make that point. And what, what, what has stood out all along is that he understands football, that he is a good communicator, that he can organise, and that he thoroughly believes in a brand of football which is a la mode at the moment he is without talking a lot about Cruyff he's a disciple of the Cruyff brand of football he's a disciple of the Guardiola school of football and you know as much as I do all the socios know that that's in vogue at the moment and and you know thankfully so so when you get a generation like Isco, Thiago, Danny Carvajal, Koke, De Gea then the brand of football you believe in, Neil, like he believes in, fits exactly with the type of footballer who's available to you coming through, the new guard, el relevo. But it also means that Busquets and, Isco, uh, Busquets and Iniesta, for example, have probably enjoyed their football under um, Lopetegui more than at any time since 2012. So here, I suppose, without you asking me to, I'm, I'm beginning to build a CV for why... Florentino Perez has made this decision and overall I, I think there's a, there's a relationship with a particular agent uh, which has helped pave the way for this. I can't imagine who you, to whom you're referring. Well, look, Lopetegui worked at uh, Porto. Um, he was very nearly the coach at uh, Wolves uh, where uh, Nuno is now. And I, without having had time to investigate it, I imagine that we're going to find that there may be a Portuguese influence in, in the way that this, this, this appointment has been made. And, and, and that will emerge um, little by little over the coming hours and the coming uh, days, because this will be the, the hot topic in town, obviously, even though it's Spain against their Iberian noisy neighbours. It's Spain against the European champions in Sochi. And... It's going to be hard at first for the Spanish media to get their minds on that, I think. OK, Graham, you mentioned um, his time at Porto. When Lopetegui was given the Spain job um, and the 
media, sports media in Spain were reacting to that appointment. What kind of a spotlight was put on his time at Porto, which, given the budget that you had to play with, has to go down as a failure on some level? Yeah, I mean, if you want, um, I think that without being an expert analyst on, on Porto, it was my opinion that they were coping with great debt. They were working at a time when, for example, Jorge Jesus um, was weaving magic um, at Benfica and, you know, subsequently supporting Lisbon. Um, I'm not going to argue the point about failure. Um, I'm going to say that I think that he, he burnished his CV in terms of being able to handle the pressure of a big club. Uh, the results didn't go well. Uh, Porto removed him. But when he was appointed, um, everybody understood. Um, it was clear that the whole idea of Spain having a system... The way to say it probably is that, that the players tend to be successful with Spain once they've come through under-16, under-17, under-19, under-21. And coaches who fit well in the system are retained one way or the other. They're often given um, direct promotion or they will come back into the spotlight when, when there's a need. And as such... Um, I think that Lopetegui was understood to have been somebody that the Spanish Federation had seen tested uh, as an assistant to Juan Santisteban at the under-17s in uh, 2003, who'd won that tournament in Israel and won it with huge style. And as far as I'm concerned, the, the way in which he brought uh, freshness and energy and relative youth after Del Bosque... Broadly, he was understood to have been a good choice, a sensible choice, even before the results began to stack up. People knew then that the era of Thiago and Coque and and De Gea needed to be given its head. It was overdue. And remember, it was Lopetegui who made big decisions about is De Gea or is Iker Casillas the number one? It's important to understand that this is a guy who's got, you know, clear-minded toughness and an ability to handle high profile. I don't know if he's political enough to handle the Madrid media in full flow. I don't know if he's political enough um, to handle the machinations at Real Madrid. I don't know how his relationship with Florentino Perez will develop. And I had an opinion prior to Lopetegui that say um, say it was me that, that Roman had wanted and they'd come to me and offered me a gigantic salary, I'd have said, yeah, I'll take this job as long as I'm on double what Zidane was on. And Roman would say, well, we can't pay you that. And I said, okay, let's chat again in a few years when you need me. Come back to me because I do want to coach you, but boy, that salary's a problem. And I'd have done that, and I'd have thought a lot of smart coaches would have done that because... It's a hell of a job to replace Sedan now, not just because of his success or his charisma or the fact that he's become identifiably one of the two or three great figures all time for Real Madrid. It's that domestically there's a big rejig job to do because they finished so far behind Barcelona. There's a job to be done on the squad. The 
prospect of managing the latter stages of Cristiano Ronaldo's career is, is, is an interesting one that some might relish, but I think many wouldn't. And there is the, the tough, tough idea of how do you keep on winning in Europe? And therefore, I'm not saying that a smart coach would have been scared of all that, but a shrewd coach might have said, I'd rather have this job once somebody else has tripped up for two years. So, um, Lopetegui obviously thinks completely differently to me because he's, he's not only said yes, he's sacrificed his, you know, this job, which for him has been very important and where, as we speak, he's still got a chance to do something fantastic. And, you know, it, it doesn't tally with the way his playing career went, but if he would finish this World Cup as, as a winner and stride straight into Real Madrid, then Florentino Perez is going to feel a lot more smug than, even than he does today. However, if, if Spain don't go well and, and, say, go out in the group stages and, and that's the manager that Real Madrid are, are handing over to, then it, it could be a little bit testing for all concerned. OK, Graham. You thought you were covering Spain dead today at this World Cup. Something tells me tomorrow you might end up covering Real Madrid. What time is that press conference? Yeah, in, in Krasnodar, we're two hours ahead of the UK. Um, in our clock, it's 11.30 a.m., uh, president and coach sitting together talking about it and um, yes it'll be interesting I, I will I will uh, report it uh, you know very carefully very conservatively in my role here and um, no doubt you and I will talk about it again uh, prior to Spain facing the European Championships champions in Sochi I think that's a very good idea for now breaking news Graham Hunter from Krasnodar thank you very much and Dosvidaniya Good night, socios. I really hope you're enjoying these World Cup shows. We've got huge plans for next season, but we do need your help to make them happen. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, a member, to join us, to support us. You'll get an extra big interview every month, plus lots of other bonus content. Last season, our members got nine exclusive big interviews, including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Dini, and Roberto Di Matteo. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Do it now, please. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.